Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, did you have a dream last night? Yeah, I can barely remember it, but that happens a lot, you know? We're going to get to that question, but uh, I had a different question to start with, which is why is it so hard to run in a dream? That's really true, and it is, it's, it's pretty fascinating kind of how the, 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 the body and the mind work together. So there's something called the proprioceptive feedback, mm. <laughs> uh, which is basically the phenomenon of getting a neural representation of the body mechanics to the central nervous system, aka your brain. And basically, when you go to sleep, your brain chemistry is such that it prevents you from moving too much, right? Uh, but when you run in a dream, your legs aren't moving. So without that feedback, your brain is like conveying to you that you're not moving. So it kind of feels like you're running with heavy weights around your legs, actually. That's true. Now that you mention it, um, you know, when I get into a fight in a dream, uh, I also feel like I'm really slow and I'm throwing really weak punches. Yeah, yeah. It's because, you know, punching, just like running, is a, it's a highly coordinated activity that relies on the proprioceptive feedback throughout the motion to work. Uh, and since the thalamus clamps down both on the transmission of the motor signals, you need to, to effectively complete that motion. Uh, the perception of all that data while you're asleep, everything just feels more bogged down and slow. Uh, compare that to flying, right? Which is you know something we can't do normally, so we really have no basis for comparison to see if it feels right or not. Uh, and especially Superman-style flying, about which actually doesn't require much body motion anyways, right? <laughs> Interesting. So let's wrap up on um, proprioceptive feedback then. Yeah, sure. So proprioception is sometimes also referred to as uh, kinesthesia. Uh, to summarize, it's basically the sense of self-movement and body position. Uh, it is also sometimes described as the sixth sense. Uh, and essentially, you know, when you're moving your body, proprioception allows that nervous system to identify the optimal mechanical pattern of movement during the performance of a task. I see. So a bit of a feedback loop then. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a little quick detour, but a common question that we often get is, what exactly happens to a person when they're in a coma uh, and then they wake up years later? Is it as though mm. they were having a dream the whole time? Um, or is it like a dreamless sleep that just lasted a, a long time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a difference. Uh, the short version here is that a coma, by definition, is actually not sleeping. Sleeping is when you have this very specific cycle of brain activity. A coma is different. Your, your brain is more uh, inactive or irregular. And so coming out of a coma is not like how it is on TV at all. It's actually a much more gradual process. And it's almost like your brain is slowly remembering to do things. Uh, for example, things like blinking or even like reacting to pain. Uh, higher level functions like consciousness don't turn back on until after the much more basic stuff. And the process can literally take months or even years to fully recover. And unfortunately, some people never fully recover. Hmm. So back to regular sleep and uh, dreams. So why do we forget what happened in our dreams the following morning, as you were saying in the beginning? Yeah, like me last night. Uh, so what I've read is that the most basic answer is our brains you know, turn off their long-term memory when we are asleep. So when you wake, your dreams may still be in your short-term memory, but not long-term. And it makes sense. 
A third of our lives is spent sleeping, so it'll be a waste of space to remember it, especially when it's usually just chaotic uh, neurofirings that our brain tries to make sense of with our narrative. Mm. Now, children have uh, very vivid dreams. Uh, they often tell us about it. Uh, why is it that a child uh -huh. will unknowingly pee in their sleep, where an adult, after uh, you know, after learning to do this, is able to uh, wake up as soon as they feel the sensation of wanting to go pee? Right, right. So adults, they actually produce this antidiuretic hormone uh, called vasopressin, and uh, so they make less sleep actually, make less urine during sleep actually. Hmm. And what usually happens is the adult wakes briefly in sleep and feels the sensation of you know like fullness, uh, and then they kind of like wake up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> While younger children, actually, younger children actually have a lack of vasopressin release, so they'll continue to produce actually large amounts of urine throughout the night, uh, and often the bladder will be full during the sleep cycle, leading the child to you know wet the bed. <laughs> Uh, in addition, uh, you know, small children also have uh, poor bladder control, either due to low capacity uh, or maybe even hyper uh, overactive bladders. And, and finally, children have a developing central nervous system, right? Uh, meaning they may not have the full capacity to interpret and respond to a full bladder as well as an adult. And interestingly, children who are born premature or have low birth weights have higher rates of bedwetting for longer periods of time. This again is probably due to the developing uh, central nervous system. Very interesting. Before we get back to uh, the rest of the topic, we do know that a lot of our listeners have young children. And uh, so if this is you, we did want to take a moment to tell you about another podcast that is one of our favorite resources for anyone who's a parent. The award-winning podcast, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, is actually back with an all-new season. And they're sponsoring today's episode, which we're of course very thankful for. That's right, Kevin. Did you know that only 19% of children's books showcase women with jobs or career ambitions? I know, it's crazy, and it's only 19%. And that's why Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls and their new season features amazing immigrant women from all over the planet that have changed the world in so many ways. You know, women like Carmen Miranda, an acclaimed dancer and movie star from Brazil, or Noor Inayat Khan, a princess who became a spy. Yeah, I already see that in my seven-year-old daughter, um, that positive <laughs> role models are critical to showing girls what's possible when they dream bigger. Totally, totally. And one of my favorite things is that each Rebel Ghost story is narrated by incredible women from the worlds of art, music, business, and sports, like entrepreneur Laureen Powell-Jobs or filmmaker uh, Brenda Chapman and so many more. So the new season of Rebel Girls has just been released. So if you have kids, do go check out Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, back to a final question, and it's a fun one, since we were talking about dreams and sleep and also kids. <laughs> um, I think I know where this is going. You know where this is going. So there's a rumor has it that dipping a sleeping person's hand in a bowl of warm water uh, will cause someone to wet the bed. Uh, Ever tried this one? Mm, yeah, yeah. Tried it. It's never worked on me. It's a you know, it's a classic uh, sleepover prank. Oh, you you've had the friends who who would try that on you. <laughs> they, they tried it. They tried it. Uh, actually, I looked it up the looked it up a while ago. Uh, this was actually apparently debunked as a myth. Really? How? Yeah, on an episode of Mythbusters, actually, mm. uh, to test things out in a controlled environment, uh, Mythbusters once did an experiment. Uh, Adam and Jamie tried to trick on each other and a crew member, uh, Matt Cordova, in a lab. 
uh, I think it was the California Center for Sleep Disorders Lab, which had you know a bunch of sleep monitoring equipment and moisture alarms in the beds as well. Mm. Um, and the results, zero wet beds. You know, but obviously, to, to be fair, a sample size of three isn't uh, super conclusive, but you know. Oh, well, that's a little disappointing. Uh, but as you say, also a really small sample size. That's true. But hey, listeners, if you hear about any more conclusive studies, please do email and let us know at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, Kevin. So if you learned something new today, please help us out by telling a friend, uh, tell them about this episode. And also, please leave us a rating on iTunes because that helps more people discover the show. That's right. Kevin and I love hearing from you. And uh, listeners have written in with feedback to tell us that they particularly like the topic that we covered uh, or to suggest future topics. You know, it really helps to know we're on the right track to continue making the episode that you all will enjoy. So our email is eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. Write to us and we will see you all next week.